0: Good evening. Our co-host again is Chris O'Brien. I'd think that if he keeps doing this, we might actually have to call him co-host. But yes, we do call him co-host.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is. Uh, I'm up over forty, I think, now. There,
0: Gino. Well, as I said, you're getting closer to the gold watch. It'll have yeah. to be, of course, you know, gold-plated. We can't do solid gold because, you yeah, low-budget show. Oh no, you know, it'll be like one <laughs> carat or something. One carat 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 gold, that's, of course, you see, nowadays gold is so expensive, the best we can do is one carat, you know? Yeah, so if I clean it, it rubs it off, right? Well, don't clean it. You know, we'll get you one that looks dusty, so like a dark, (laughs) dusty-looking watch. Does anyone know of a dark, dusty-looking watch? I've got a watch right here that I've had for several years, and it's black, has a black band, and it doesn't work because it's one of these watches with a solar battery, so Mm -hmm. I have to take it outside and wait for the battery to charge, I suppose.
1: Yeah, you should get one of those automatic ones that just, uh, they're kinetic.
0: Well, yes, we need money for those. But someday, somehow, we will have the money to get one of those watches. But seriously speaking, I thought before we get our special guest, the international director of MUFON, Clifford Clift, on the line, we should bring you up to date on what's going on, ladies and gentlemen, with some of the past shows and some of the updates we promised. Now, the weather hasn't helped your prospect with the webcams, has it?
1: No, unfortunately, uh, the San Luis Valley, uh, when we had that real super cold snap here in Arizona, (laughs) it was quite balmy here compared to what they went through. Uh, Alamosa was, I think, 31 or 2 below. And uh, I'm not sure what happened, but I think the heater just couldn't keep up with the cold and uh, and the camera went down. So it's on its way to Sony to get repaired. Hopefully it's something that's going to be uh, easily fixed. I'm not sure uh, what the problem is with it, but, uh, you know, we are working on getting a second camera up in the Baca right now. So that's kind of the report on that. I, I did have a very interesting uh, call from one of my Rancher Skywatcher network uh in, uh, just below the border in New Mexico, in the San Luis Valley. And on January 9th, we had a pretty interesting sighting that was seen by two separate witnesses uh, about 6 o'clock in, in the evening. Uh, a fairly long, oblong, purple-colored UFO went over San Antonio Mountain and headed southeast over uh, Taos, kind of headed towards Cimarron. And we also had a woman and her son were traveling up from Taos uh, towards Trace Piedras, and they saw the same, evidently the same thing, unbeknownst to one another. And then the following day on the tenth, they had two big Chinooks thunder over their house at less than 200 feet. So when that happened, they decided to give me a call and, and report. And then doing a little bit of digging, I found out there were other witnesses as well. So. Things may be, we may have a little upswing of pretty rare winter activity in the San Luis Valley. Uh, It's pretty rare to have sightings during the winter. Uh, Last winter was an exception. And uh, possibly this winter will be one too, so. Well, think about global warming. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, right. 30 below doesn't sound like global warming to me. But, uh, you know, there's a big threat on the board right now on the Paracast forums that – is really looking at uh, at uh, good old Stanton Friedman's comments about global warming. It re- kind of created a, a bit of a controversy. Of course, nobody's talking about anything else he said uh, in a very good two-hour interview that we had with him. They're all just harping on the first five minutes of the show. Which uh, hopefully, at some point, they'll uh, they'll start uh, asking uh, questions and pointing out some of the more interesting things that he had to say. Uh, you know, through the rest of the interview, but. That's how these forums work, boy. Some people, they get get on a thread, and they're just like pit bulls.
0: They won't let go. Sometimes it takes one phrase, one word. It sets someone off, and they go into directions you don't predict. Speaking of things yep. that basically have consumed our forums over the past few months, Ted Phillips was supposed to set up his website with links to information about Marley Woods, and they did a rudimentary kind of canned website. After a few weeks it 's gone nowhere. Anything from Ted Phillips about this?
1: I have not talked to Ted months, and uh, that 's a good reminder for me to to go ahead and give him a haul or see how he 's doing, see what progress he 's made there uh, in that investigation that is been ongoing for twelve years i I do uh, admire ted 's work. I think he 's uh, one of the true uh, you know troopers out there in the field and be interesting to see if uh, there's any updates that are worthy of uh, reporting back with.
0: Yeah, because I think in a situation like this, you know, there's so much anticipation. As soon as he said, Yeah, I'm going to put up a website, that creates <laughs> anticipation, and it's not the song from <laughs> Carly Simon. It's real anticipation, and it's unfortunate that even after all that, he hasn't finished it. And I understand, you know, you could try to get help, you know, not necessarily expensive help, maybe a friend or relative to make the site for you. Suddenly, they have other things to do, and it never yep. gets done. But it's unfortunate. Also, Ray Stanford, we were talking about, when we had him on the show, about having you help him make digital copies yeah, of these
1: audio have recordings. Yeah, I have not followed through on that. I deserve to be spanked. Thank you, sir. May I have another... Excuse me, Uh, one second. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, sir. Can I have another? Well, you know, we don't want to
0: make it seem as if this is part and parcel of the way we treat our guests. No. No, we don't. We don't spank uh... our guests, only the co-hosts. Okay. Okay, so this is your fourth time this week. You need to settle down. Chris, we've got to get it straight. But seriously speaking, you know, Ray knows where to find us. He could have maybe made more of an initiative to come in our direction and work with you to get things done.
1: Yeah, well, I do uh, I do want to download those clips because I think that they're, they're important. It's important to follow through with uh, with some of the data that uh, Ray mentioned. And, and that's, uh, that's I, it's just every time I, I talk to Ray, I've got to have three or four hours of free time because we just get going. And uh, he's, he's really uh, under the gun to get his... Uh, Final uh, submission for his paper done, so that the new uh, dinosaur that he found—the only articulated dinosaur cast, uh, a skeleton ever found on the East Coast, to my knowledge—is uh, in the Smithsonian. And he and one of the top uh, paleontologists in the world, uh, Dave Weissample, are submitting the the official papers uh, for the new species to be um, to be accepted into. Uh, into the uh, Dinosauria. So that's something that's really been, uh, I think, occupying a lot of his time. Uh, I do want to uh, follow through, though. He does have the gear. He has the tape. We have the tools. We have the talent. We should be able to get this one uh, put to bed. Sounds like you're echoing the (laughs)
0: lines from the movie Ghostbusters. We got the tools. We got the talent. And you know what? They're talking about a Ghostbusters 3. But I think Dan Aykroyd would have to lose about 100 pounds to fit into that uniform once again.
1: Well, just get Jason and his buddy, the plumbers.
0: Oh, well. We're going to be more sensible down to earth with our show this week. We're going to bring on MUFON. Now, MUFON, we had some state representatives from MUFON early on, the first few episodes of the PowerCast in 2006. We had representatives from MUFON. And we had some state directors, and they had some very interesting things to present. A lot of the guests that we have had ongoing, like Stanton Friedman, work with MUFON over the years. Now, to be frank, MUFON to me has always seemed like a relic of the 60s and 70s, but they're still active. They recently named a new international director, Clifford Clift, and we want to get an update of how MUFON works in the 21st century to try to bring the UFO mystery home and to find a solution. So we're hoping that when we bring him on, he'll answer a lot of questions about MUFON, about some of the problems we've heard they might be having. You know, a lot of considerations there, and we're hoping that he's going to have something to say about it.
1: Well, it's good that he's going to be on the show. I'm looking forward to it. I have yet to uh, meet
0: Clifford, but I'm looking forward to it. Clifford Clift, International Director of MUFON, coming up next on the The Paracast. One more time, that's store.theparacast.com. You can use a major credit card to place your order for the official Paracast t-shirt. Hey, neighbors, we have one more thing to talk about, and that's more merchandise at the official Paracast store. We have hats, we have jackets, we even have a flip video camcorder customized with the Paracast logo at the official Paracast store. It's all now available at the official Paracast store, store store.theparacast.com.
3: Becoming a modern smoker is now easier and more cost-effective thanks to LeSig. Traditional smokers the world over love LeSig e-cigarettes with the look, feel, and taste of real cigarettes, but without the nasty smoke, ashes, or stains. LeSig is powered by revolutionary microelectronic technology. A small rechargeable battery and unique replaceable cartridge provide all the satisfaction and benefits of smoking without the smoke and all the hazards. See the large variety of LeSig e-cigarette supplies and accessories at lesig.com. That's L-E-C-I. LeCig is competitively priced, comes with the best customer service, a 30-day warranty, and satisfaction guaranteed. What a great gift idea. For a 10% discount, mention GCN when you call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. Ask for fast, free, same-day shipping. Order online at LeCig.com and use promo code GCN at checkout.
4: That's LeCig.com. LeCig for today's modern smoker. America's number one source for independent talk radio for
5: over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network.
6: We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Get in on all the action at forum.theparacast.com.
0: Chris O'Brien's is a co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. We welcome Clifford Clift. He's the international director of MUFON. Thanks for joining us on the Paracast.
7: Thank you, Gene and Chris. It's nice being on your show.
0: Cliff, we've asked this question of almost every guest because everyone has a story. What attracted you to UFOs. Chris and I started real young. What about you?
7: Uh, Well, I did too. I started uh, when I was about 15 years old working with my grandmother with the Ground Observer Corps. Uh, Back in the early 1950s, the U.S. Air Force was, well, the whole country was terrified of the Russian nuclear capacity and that they may drop A-bombs on us. So we were we were in a very fearful time, of the, in the, na- the nation was a very fearful time, because we didn't have the radar in the 1950s that we have today, uh, it was very, very limited. They uh, set up what they call the Ground Observer Corps, and these were people that volunteered to help the U.S. Air Force in the location and the, about airplanes flying around. So they would call an alert. And I was in eastern Colorado, about 15. My, I wasn't necessarily excited about doing this because I was 15 and my grandmother volunteered me to do it, <laughs> which was not uncommon. <laughs> they had an alert, so we went out. Now, these, these sites were set up all over the United States, and we would call in uh, and report sightings that we had of aircraft. Uh, we had pictures of all the types of aircraft on the wall, so we could identify them. And we would call in and report the sightings of the aircraft—very high, high jet, prop, direction, speed, slow, fast—that type of thing. And every time we'd uh, do that, we would. Our call sign was Bravo Lima Red One. Now, from why I, I can remember that, and I'm not sure I know what I had for breakfast is beyond me, but that was our call sign. I was standing on the hill looking out to the east, big full moon, white fluffy clouds, not very many, but some white fluffy clouds in the fall, in October. I looked to the right and something caught my eye and it was an object about the size of that full moon coming from the southeast going to the northwest at an extreme rate of speed, traversed the sky probably in six or seven seconds. And it, it was going so fast, it looked like there might be a little bit of a blur on the back end of it. I was terrified at the time, and I went in and told my grandmother, I said, we've got to call this in, got to call it and she told I told her what I'd seen, so we called it in. And uh, they bumped us up from three people to a major. I believe it was a major. And after hearing the story, he says, well, that's what we're looking for. You can go home now. Now, I don't know, Gene and Chris, if he was placating me or if, in fact, that's what they were looking for, but it was pretty exciting, and that piqued my interest in the UFO phenomenon from then on. And then I joined uh, MUFON. Well, M- i studied UFOs all through my life, but in 1995, I joined MUFON, became a board of director on the International Board of Directors in the year 2000, and then uh, January of 2010, I became the international director. That's kind of the history of where I am.
0: Okay, let's look at where MUFON was and is. Now, when did the organization first get started? It seems to have been here almost forever.
7: Well, <laughs> yes, it, it is almost forever since for many people, because it started in May of 1969 by Walt Andrus and John Schusler and... Uh, uh Oakley. And these gentlemen uh uh were the ones that started it had NICAP had just pretty much gone under. Apro didn't seem to fit the bill for uh Schusler and and uh, uh Andrus. So we moved on from there with the Mufon organization and it's developed to what it is today.
0: Do you regard yourself at all as somewhat of a successor to NICAP Because of the fact that that organization kind of, you know, went off the cliff?
7: Yes, I I really do think so, because um, NICAP was taken over or went under because of a lot of financial problems that they had. And APRO was uh, the leadership of the aerial uh, research phenomenon, Uh, Lorians. They were not real Cordial people with everybody, so that's why Mont uh, Mufon was started by Walt Andrus.
0: and it. Uh, so, so it had yeah, nothing NICAP
7: to. NICAP was a good organization. Still is. They still do a little, a little bit of stuff. But not NICAP
0: is still around.
7: Yeah, you can get stuff on, off the internet from them that they post every now and then.
0: Yeah, they were reformed. It's I think. not an
7: organization like Mufon.
1: I was wondering about the, uh, the the interesting timing of the end of Project Blue Book and then six months later MUFON starts. I've always felt that that was kind of uh, interesting.
7: Well, you know, I've never looked at it at, at that uh, with that thought in mind, but uh, the Air Force uh, Project Blue Book was somewhat of a, a publicity for the Air Force saying, oh yeah, we're, we're really taking care of things for you and we're watching it. In fact, Project Blue Book didn't receive all the good cases, according to Captain Ruppelt, who was in charge of the Blue Book for a period.
0: Yeah, but that was back in the 1950s. Was that true when Ruppelt left?
7: Yeah, oh, yes, yeah, yeah. When, uh, 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 what, uh, oh, I'll tell you his name here in just a minute. Uh, uh, anyway, when he took over, everything then became... Uh, Planet Venus, swamp gas, that type of thing. Of course, in that time period, too, is when uh, Dr. Hynek, uh, he flipped. When he first started, he was a hoaxer for the U.S. Air Force He or debunker. He would, he would come out and everything was Venus or swamp gas, that type of thing. But then as he got to investigating all of the UFO phenomenon as a scientist, he then realized, hey, wait a minute, there is something to this UFO stuff. And he flipped 180 degrees from a debunker to a, a devout believer. So, yeah, we've got a lot of scientists that have stepped forward over the years and admitted that this needs to, there's something to this and it needs to have a scientific investigation. The problem is, Gene and Chris, is that scientists don't like to put their name to the UFO phenomenon. It uh, has a tendency to discredit them professionally.
1: Well, science is all based on uh, throwing out uh, anomalies and trying to keep your data as consistent as possible. UFOs do the exact opposite. Uh, we're focusing on the anomalies.
7: Right. Yeah, you would think that they would want to research this more, but there's there's no money in it. Few, few people will fund or universities to... Research UFOs. As a matter of fact, I know of one very substantial person, uh, financially, who went to deans of or went to yeah to the president of univers- of three universities, and asked if if he funded them would they do the research on UFOs.
0: Let's pursue that in our next segment here. Okay, sure. We have Clifford Clift. He's the international director of the Mutual UFO Network or MUFON. Our co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in... The Paracast.
8: Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack, Attack of Attack, the Rockoids. Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy, a thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids, Attack, Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, Rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. Attack, attack, attack of the Rockoids, Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition.
4: This message starts with a great offer from Big Berkey Water Filters, because we don't want you drinking dangerous water one minute longer. Right now, purchase any filter system from BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com to get your choice of two Berkey sport bottles, a KDF shower filter, a set of fluoride filters, or our new site glass spigot absolutely free. Why do this? Because over 60% of municipal water is fluoridated, and at less than 2 cents per gallon, Berkey Water Filters purify both treated and untreated water, removing dangerous chlorine, fluoride, and other contaminants. Big Berkey water filters are powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water, so they're perfect for rainwater collection systems and emergency preparedness. Remember, Big Berkey includes free shipping on every order over $50, and GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit B-I-G-B-E-R-K-E-Y waterfilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's Big Berkey waterfilters.com or call today 1-877-99-B-E-R-K-E-Y.
9: Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a 2-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit
10: us at crossbreedholsters.com. <laughs> Don't forget, crossbreedholsters.com. If you're
11: serious about playing college football, give yourself the competitive edge with the National Underclassmen Football Combine. The NUC is the longest-running underclassmen event and the most respected combine and football camp in the nation. Specifically designed to give athletes early recruiting exposure, there's no better time than now to compete in the National Underclassmen Football Combine. Call 888-NUC-MVP1 or go to nationalunderclassmen.com to find out more. This is
12: Alex Jones with five good reasons you should consider buying a solar power generator. Number one, new climate legislation could easily double or triple your electric bill. Number two, our new energy czar wants to control how much power your electric company allows you to have. It's true. Total government control of electricity in the name of smart grid technology is coming. Number three, in some areas of the country, the power grid is dangerously overloaded. And now new socialist legislation is only compounding the problem. Number four, dangerous weather is always a threat to local grids. Every year, thousands of families lose their power from weather-related outages. Number five, a solar power generator provides powerful backup, insurance, and peace of mind. Folks, I really believe in the solar power generators offered by Solutions from Science, one of my oldest sponsors. You can get more information at www.mysolarbackup.com. That's mysolarbackup.com. Remember, the government doesn't own the sun. So go to mysolarbackup.com or call 1-877-327-0365. Are you tired of searching
5: for great talk radio?
12: Something more important.
5: Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network.
7: This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO
2: Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast.
0: Chris O'Brien's the co host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the PowerCast. We have Clifford Clift of Mufani's International Director. And you were telling me about this moneyed person who went to universities, three of them, to try to get them to commit to doing UFO research projects and.
7: And they, the presidents of the universities were all for it when they talked to the science departments, the deans of the science departments. Didn't want their name associated with the UFO phenomenon, so uh, the the funding to the university for these projects was not
1: uh, was not done.
7: No, so I'm assuming you're problem. talking
1: about Robert Bigelow, uh, in the uh, unmentioned person, uh, <laughs> well-heeled person.
7: <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, that's the problem they, that we have is the scientific research can be very limited. Due to uh, the images the perceived images of the professors at the university uphill battle <laughs> very much so
0: doesn't that also create the problem where the caliber of people doing the investigation can't be as high when you need scientific research when you need scientific testing because you have to basically hire laymen or have layman volunteers do the work
7: that is really a good question and Gene, I want uh, I want you to know that we have stepped up our investigative techniques significantly. We now have electromagnetic equipment, gagger counters, uh, hazmat suits, uh, light meters, uh, st- electric and gravitometers, all kinds of equipment that we can use on cases, and our people are being trained to do this. We have a star team which I think there's about 45 or 50 members now that uh, can be deployed within 24 hours to an event. And we've had a couple of significant events where they, in the past year that they have been able to uh, get out and do and use the right kind of equipment. Now, saying that, we have uh, over 50 consultants with PhDs in various disciplines. And if we need to run something by them they will check it out uh, more thoroughly. We also have uh, an organization that will work with us with scientists to evaluate what the trace evidence might be or that type of thing. So we do have the capability in the last couple of years, last year especially, to be able to really deploy competent and capable people to a UFO event.
0: Let me ask you here: Having this consulting board of PhDs, et cetera, do they actually physically go to the site of a UFO report, or do they do this consulting by email or by research?
7: All of the above. <laughs> if uh, one of our groups, uh, uh, one of our scientific group, can be there uh, within 24 hours with the top scientists to study whatever that happened. And usually what that means, Gene, is it's a category three, which means it's a close proximity, a landing, trace elements, uh, entities on the ground and that type of thing. So we do have the, the, the wherewithal to get the information
0: scientifically studied. Are you restricted to the USA or do you go into other countries?
7: Well, we do have members in other countries, uh, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, the uh, U.K., Ireland, uh, Turkey, uh, and then in South America and many of the countries. We don't go from the U.S. to those events. We usually rely on local people that do it. Many of the UFO organizations in foreign countries will contact us if they need further information or study of an event. So we're able to, to work with them uh, through the mails, through email, presenting information to labs and that type of thing.
0: Now, as we know, a fair number of UFO sightings are not unexplained. They're due to fairly conventional phenomena, misidentified aircraft, planets, etc. And we also have situations where people simply play hoaxes, maybe not that many. So have you seen any large number of hoaxes or misidentified phenomena as part of the cases that you look at?
7: Yes, we do. As a matter of fact, we average 500 sighting reports a month to uh, our organization. Of that 500, 80% or 400, we can determine that they are uh, a hoax. It might be a Black Hawk heli- uh, airplane. It might be a planet Planets do cause us a lot of problems. And satellites, we have all the satellite maps and the star maps and that type of thing. So we can we can check these out to see. So we do prove that about 80% of the events are something explainable. But there's that 20% or 100 a month that uh, can really uh, make you wonder what's going on. And of that 100, we average about 12 Reports a month of uh, landings, and three or four each month of entities on the ground.
0: What about cases like abductions?
7: We do get reports on those, and we have an abduction committee. Uh, Les- Lester Velez is uh, our uh, deputy director of abductions, and he handles all that. He's been involved with I don't know, probably a thousand abductions. So we do work with people on the abduction scene, and. Robert Lelure who just passed away, was our. Uh, Dr. Lelure was uh, probably one of the strong supporters of the abduction thing and has done a lot of research. We have an omega 3 case study that he did with 100 people who believed they had been abducted. And then his control group was 100 who either didn't even know about abductions to any extent or didn't feel they had been abducted. And it was a pretty good. Uh, pretty good study that he did, and that Omega-3 can be uh, obtained from UFON study, and talks about the characteristics of abductees, the personality traits, and uh, various other aspects. So it's, uh, yeah, we do get involved with the abductions.
0: Do you feel then that abductions are related to UFOs? And the reason I bring that out is because on last week's episode, we had Jerome Clark. I'm sure you know him. and. Jerry seems to feel that abductions and a lot of these other incidents fit into a separate category than actual UFO visitations.
7: Well, I wish I could be that definitive about it, but I can't. There have been too many people that we have researched and have information presented to us that indicate that there is a correlation between abductions and UFOs. And I have to lean that way because of the the evidence.
0: Well, specifically, and we have to break in a moment or two, but until we get to that point, specifically, where do you see that we have this correlation other than maybe someone sees a thing in the sky before they are abducted? Is that the correlation?
7: No, no. The correlation is the the, well, yes, I guess that would be true. They see something prior to, Some remember uh, without hypnosis the event and some under hypnosis remember the event such as Betty and Barney Hill and uh, uh, Travis Walton and some of the others where they in fact pretty much report the same thing consciously and under hypnosis and it always involves a UFO. So... uh, the strange thing about it, Jean and Chris, is that the abductions. I think in uh, just like uh, the UFO sightings, we can eighty percent of them we can determine as something natural, and I think it's the same thing with the abductions. I think there are maybe eighty percent. I don't know the number, but we could probably explain psychologically something other than an abduction, although it appeared to have been that to them.
0: I'll tell you what, we'll pursue this more in a moment. First off, we want to hear from you. Tell us what you think about this show and about the PowerCast in general. Write us, news at thepowercast.com. That's news at thepowercast.com. Clifford Clift, International Director of MUFON. Our co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in... The Paracast. The PowerCast. PowerCast.
13: Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the Earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and affording phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions,
14: All types of batteries for all types of gadgets. We'll say it again. All types of batteries for, for all types, types of gadgets. gadgets, electronics, toys, flashlights, computers, accessories, and more are at BatteryStation.com. Whatever type battery you need—alkaline, lithium, gel cell, NICAT, metal hydride, sealed lead acid, and more—are at BatteryStation.com. Our homepage gives you quick access to ham, marine, police, fire, and aviation batteries. Plus, choose from our great selection of LED flashlights with no bulb to ever burn out and much longer battery life. Find many top brands, including Streamlight. Pelican, Surefire, Novatac, Gerber, and more at BatteryStation.com. You'll also find the most popular brands of ammunition and watertight cases for storing guns, food, electronics, survival gear, and more at BatteryStation.com. Call 417-257-7799. That's 417-257-7799. You will be surprised when you visit BatteryStation.com
15: Men, take control of your prostate health without the risk of nasty side effects with Prostate Secure. Early detection, regular prostate exams, and PSA tests are a must for men over 40. Listen, if you have symptoms of an enlarged prostate but don't want to take a drug with possible nasty side effects, or if you're over 40, then use Prostate Secure, a natural dietary supplement for men. Prostate Secure is a scientifically formulated blend of clinically significant amounts of natural ingredients. It brings together the most powerful plant sterols like beta-cytosterol, and saw palmetto along with antioxidants such as vitamin d3 resveratrol and lycopene to support good prostate health proper urinary flow function and more check out prostatesecure.com order online and save 10 percent with promo code save 10 or call 1-800-239-9432 that's 800-239-9432 or visit prostatesecure.com take control of your prostate health naturally with prostate secure
5: The GCN Radio Network,
15: providing the world with hard-hitting talk
5: radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts
6: here. You're in the Paracast. You never know what's going to happen next.
0: We return with Clifford Clift, International Director of MUFON. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. You're in the Paracast. Okay, Clifford. Let's look at this further here. Now, one of the big issues, compelling issues about the abduction scenario is the use of hypnotic regression for unearthing, supposed lost or hidden memories. And that's kind of controversial. We have UFO researchers who say, wait a minute, that doesn't happen, that doesn't work. Regression is controversial. And we have- Especially over the phone, Gene. (laughs) Especially over the phone. What is your opinion?
7: I'm not sure I really understand the question, but so correct me if I'm not answering the right question. I, you know, when you have people that remember the event consciously and it's the same thing as uh, the event would be the same thing that happens with somebody that had used hypnotherapy, That's kind of compelling to indicate that, well, maybe this does work.
0: Okay, yeah, but you're talking about having conscious memories. But you have situations where someone reports so-called missing time. Suddenly, I'm out in the woods. I see a flash in the sky. It's three hours later. I'm driving Mm -hmm. home. What happened to me?
7: Okay, so under hypnosis, they can, under regression, they can go back to that time and and the person will remember a lot of things that they wouldn't have remembered consciously. They may have been blocked or, you know, tra- trauma is a very difficult thing because, you know, some people in a car wreck, they remember seeing the lights and they don't remember anything till they wake up in the hospital. Now, under hypnosis, they can take those people back and regress them and find out what happened. And it does work. It's scientifically okay. But if you talk about UFOs, then, well, now I don't know about that. So it's uh, difficult for people to wrap their arms around all of it. And it's difficult for me, too. It's uh, it's a strange phenomenon, I can tell you for sure.
1: Well, you're you, basically what you're saying, then, is that the UFO subject, it, it kind of uh, if you equate uh, hypnosis and talk about UFOs in the same breath, that it invalidates The effectiveness of something that you consider to be an effective investigative tool, uh, as in the example you gave of a car accident or or possibly a witness to a crime or something. So you're saying that that just the simple fact that uh, the UFO phenomenon is being tied to abductions, you think that that's somehow, uh, uh, I don't know, kind of slandering the whole (laughs) approach?
7: Uh, Okay, I'm sorry, I'm not following
0: yeah, that's Chris, by the way. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, Chris.
7: Excuse me.
0: <laughs> it's all right. Okay, let's,
1: let's, let's try that again. Um, I'll, I'll rephrase the question. Uh, so, in other words, what I'm hearing is you're saying that, that hypnosis is an effective investigative tool. It's the fact that the UFO subject is being brought into this scenario that is creating uh, possibly people thinking that it's not an effective investigative tool simply because it's a UFO event or an abduction event.
7: Right. Yes. Yes, Chris. That's that would be very good. Yeah, it's uh, hypnosis works uh, for many things. And uh, just because it's involved with abductions doesn't mean it doesn't work. It just means that uh, that's a different way of using it.
1: Well, I have I I want to go back to the to the uh, star team uh, scenario. Um, sure. I'm I'm real curious about you've been involved now for what about a year and a half with this program with uh, with Bass, and what does Bass stand for again?
7: Bigelow Advanced Aerospace Studies.
1: Okay, uh, and so and so Bigelow is funding these these uh, 40 45 people that are dispatched at a moment's notice as quickly as possible, fully armed with uh, all sorts of really cool gear. And they get sent out. About how many of these cases has uh, the STAR team gone out and investigated for MUFON?
7: Okay. First of all, I've got to uh, clarify something. Uh, Bass Bigelow Aerospace uh, contracted with MUFON for the year of 2009. And they, we had a contract with them for 2009. It ended started February 1st, 2009, and ended January 30th, 2010, of this past year. So Bigelow Aerospace is not funding anything MUFON is doing now.
0: So they did just for that period of time?
7: Just for that period of time, that's correct.
0: Okay, during that period of time, what were you able to accomplish as a result of that funding?
7: Okay, part of the funding, uh, well, the funding of it was... We would uh, get the good cases to Bigelow, and then his scientists would go out and evaluate the event. They deployed about three to uh, 36 to I'd say right now 36 to 45 during their contract with us, where they deployed their scientists to evaluate the real evidence or the evidence that they wanted to to uh, discover there at at the at the site so that's probably about it currently we're averaging about four deployments a month with our star team and these volunteers pay for this themselves too by the way which is really a big commitment
1: yeah that's uh, that's commendable so yes. so so in, in other words the relationship with bigelow ran its course and then you've taken the approach uh as a, as a as now a MUFON on uh, program uh, exclusively, and then you're sending these folks out to these uh worthy worthy reports, I guess uh, for lack of a better term yeah what what are exactly. the parameters uh besides let's say a landing or a close proximity ce e three or uh, are there any other parameters that uh, kind of trip your uh, your response uh, team and uh, other than the the things that you mentioned, are there other specifics that you look for? Uh, that, that then prompt you to go ahead and dispatch a team?
7: Yes. Um, we have, our, after the Bigelow contract, we could see the significance of the quick deployment, which was not something that we were
0: able to do in the past. You don't have the funding now, and you need to do a quick deployment, so what do you do not having the funding to do it?
7: That's why I say that the volunteers, the members of our star team, one of the criteria that they have, we have for them is that they can, they can pay for the, the trip. They, can, they have the wherewithal to be able to go out and do the investigation. So we do, MUFON um, itself does pay for lab testing, uh, mailing, and that type of thing. Uh, as you know, we're a non-profit, so we uh, are very limited in the funds that we have. So we have to be very diligent in how we disperse funds. But that's, uh, yeah, the volunteers are the ones that do it, and they pay for it themselves.
1: So so they're divided up into regional uh, sort of regions, and yes. so if something uh-huh. happens in a particular region, you know, you have a list of people that are so-called star team members, and then you would call them, and they would shoot out from where they were.
7: That's exactly right. Uh, they, uh, we have eight regions and people in each of the eight regions that we can deploy. We have had uh, two significant events that have happened. Star Koletsky is our STAR team manager. This lady is a phenomenon in organizational skills and motivation of people. She retired from the Department of Defense. Uh, a while back and her last job was uh, the deploying of marines to afghanistan and iraq preparing them to go and getting them lined out so this woman's credentials are just outstanding she developed what we call category one category two and category three the category one is the one where we have lights in the sky you know, that's, those are so tough to investigate. Is this
0: like the original terminology that Dr. Hynek used, close encounters well, of the first kind, second, third?
7: Yes, but it uh, it is more inclusive than his. His is more de- definitive as to what exactly the sightings are. This is more of a larger group. So our Category 2, then, is... A close proximity and maybe multiple witnesses, and the category three is a significant event where there's a landing, entity scene, uh, close encounters, that type of thing. And like I say, we just have deployed on two of those in the past uh, six months. As a matter of fact, star, uh, our star team manager Chase Kloetsky had a category one case in Tennessee. Where the 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 farmer, local businessman and farmer, kept uh, seeing these lights and reported them. Well, after three or four times, she thought, "Well, maybe I better go look at this because the guy kept calling. He says they come; these lights come every night, right out of our cornfield."
0: I'll tell you what; we'll return to the cornfield in a moment. We have Clifford Clift of MUFON, the international director. Our co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast.
6: welcome back to the paracast the gold standard of paranormal radio and now here's gene steinberg
0: we return with more from clifford cliff the international director of mufon mutual ufo network your co-host is chris o'brien i'm gene steinberg you're in The power cast, of course, and return to the cornfield in Tennessee, is it? Yes. Okay.
7: So Chase uh, figured this was a Category 1 because it was lights in the sky type thing. But after this guy called the third time, she decided, well, I better go. So she got another field investigator. They met with the guy in the evening. They went out to the cornfield. Corn was probably just been planted. It was last spring. And we just now have got the information. That's why it's just being told all of the information and Chase said well okay so they went out and loaded up in this pickup and they drove out to the field and she has all the uh, infrared equipment uh, infrared camcorders and digital cameras and uh, magnetometers, and gravitometers and gagger counters and all battery run so they she was setting all this stuff up and just as they were getting it set up farmer says well here they come and then they started seeing these lights one of the lights Came uh, got bigger and bigger and came over. It was a triangle that came over the top of them about 500 feet somewhere in that neighborhood. And she wanted to get pictures of it, so she ran for the cameras and all the batteries are dead in all of the equipment that they had. Which is not uncommon for a close encounter.
1: I so, hate when that happens.
7: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the object uh, was very silent and then it just took off and then in a and its I don't know which direction, but it just took off. So they thought, well, let's start loading up our stuff because it looked like they're gone for the night. Chase said she had this overwhelming sense of fear come over her, as if somebody was watching her, Something there was something very fearful and frightening to her. And as they're going toward the pickup, they, the farmer turned around and looked back at the area and shined his light, and there, within a ten feet of them, was this being that was about three foot tall, standing there looking at them. All three oh of them, all three of them had this horrible sense of fear and dread, which is, uh, you know, I'd be scared, but I wouldn't be have this sense of dread that Chase feels like she had in this situation, and the other two. So they threw the stuff in the back of the pickup and took off, and they broke out in hysterical laughter, which is not uncommon through fear. And then about 10 minutes later, they thought, Oh, we're investigators. We better go back <laughs> because the sense of dread and fear left. So they went back. They couldn't find anything or any, any beings there, but the lights were then over in some trees on the other side of the field, moving around through the trees. Now I personally, would have a difficult time believing this if it were one person. When you have three people and one person who is probably one of the top investigators for MUFON involved in this, we usually are after the fact, not during the event. This was very exciting for us. So that, uh, that, that's the one that probably is the best cat three that we've had in the past six, eight months. We had one just a week or so ago in Florida where a police officer just came uh, home from vacation and was letting his dog out in the backyard, and as he opened the door, this orange object was sitting in his backyard and went flying up out of the, into the sky real quick, left trace elements. We're working on that one. I just saw the pictures this morning of uh, the event where the where the event happened in the backyard uh this was uh pretty an exciting very exciting event and we uh made a grid of the area or the investigators made a grid of the area took samples the samples have been submitted to our labs for analysis and we have definite there now appears to have been two objects that were there in the yard so that's, those are what our Cat 3s are about. And these are the ones that are really exciting and ones we like to be able to investigate.
0: Now, before we get into some more of those case histories, maybe tell us overall, does MUFON have a specific corporate organizational opinion as to what UFOs are?
7: We believe that, yes, they are something... From not of this world, let's put it that way.
0: Okay, so you're saying another planet, another dimension, another time, what?
7: Yes. <laughs> there is strong evidence uh, Jacques Vallée believes that they're interdimensional, and there are others that believe that. I don't know that they are, and I don't know that they aren't. There is strong evidence that they may be interdimensional.
0: What do you consider the strong evidence about interdimensional as opposed to interplanetary or interstellar?
7: Well, I, I think they're all the same. I think they're interplanetary with interdimensional capabilities. Uh, you know, what does interdimensional mean? That, the definition of that word has me stumped because there are so many different opinions as to what interdimensional means. Some people believe interdimensional means it's a parallel universe. Some people mean that it's associated with time travel. So until I can have a definite definition as to what interdimensional means, I don't know what to say other than the fact that we have evidence of people, of multiple witnesses watching a UFO within 500 feet, within 200 feet, seeing a gray metallic object, and then it just disappears.
0: All right. Uh, Now Expanding that here, what about some of the other events that seem to occur in regions where UFOs are frequently seen? We're talking about Bigfoot, strange creatures of that nature, poltergeist phenomena, all sorts of events. Do you feel they're related as part of one thing or just... Well, if you're exploring one particular event, there's always something else to look at wherever you go.
7: Yeah, that, there does seem to be uh, evidence that uh, the polargeist, the Bigfoot, and um, crop circles, mutilations, all have an association with the UFO phenomenon. And to what extent, Gene and Chris, that is such, so difficult for us where we are mentally and spiritually right now to understand us meaning our civilization, our culture Uh, doesn't mean they don't exist, it just means that maybe they do maybe they don't, but whatever it is it's a very difficult understanding for us
1: so in other words you do see some sort of correlation or relationship potentially between these divergent uh, different phenomena yes I do that's interesting because that's kind of a departure from MUFON. That's not always been the case, sir.
7: Well, it's, uh, there are some members of our board that are uh, nuts and bolts. There are some members of our board that are maybe more open. I think we, have le- we are leaning more to, toward these other aspects of the UFO phenomenon because evidence and research uh, appears to be indicating that.
0: So well, bravo.
1: I, think that, I applaud
0: that. Yeah. Okay, so you're willing to look further into this mystery, look at other possibilities that the UFO enigma is a lot more complicated. What about window areas, areas that seem to attract more paranormal uh, events? What do you think about those?
7: Yeah, there does seem to be uh, portals of activity. Uh, the Skinwalker Ranch in Utah that Bigelow owns scientific research done there, pictures taken of what appear to be portals and into another dimension.
0: Before we go into the dimension of sponsors saying, where's my message, where's my message? You hear that (laughs) conveyed psychically. Clifford Clift, International Director of MUFON, joins us. If you'd like to get involved in discussions about the PowerCast, we invite you to join our forums, forum.powercast.com. That's forum.paracast.com. All you have to do to sign up is give yourself a unique username. You can't use Gene Steinberg because I took that already. But you can pick a name, and then you can get involved in the discussions. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast.
16: Hi, this is Tamar from Namecheap. We're a domain name and web hosting company, and we really care about our customers. With domain name purchases, Namecheap offers free SSL and free Whois for a year to protect your identity from spammers. Most importantly, we care about you. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at radio.namecheap.com, radio.namecheap.com for web hosting and domain name specials. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com namecheap or become a fan of ours on Facebook at facebook.com slash namecheap. See you online.
0: Awaits.
2: On the average, Americans work between 45 to 50 years, hoping to build up enough wealth to retire and live out their golden years. Unfortunately, with taxation, the rising cost of food, energy, housing, and medical, many retirees are forced to live below the poverty line. Is this a flaw-free enterprise, or is our monetary unit we call the Federal Reserve Note forcing us into perpetual debt, ensuring inflation and higher taxes? These questions and more can be answered by reading G. Edward Griffin's book, The Creature from Jekyll Island. Congressman Ron Paul states it's what every American needs to know about central bank power, a gripping adventure into the secret world of international banking cartel. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I will give a silver dollar from the early 1900s to anyone who purchases this book. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order a copy today. It's critical that the public be made aware of the system. Call and order your copy today at 1-800-686-2237. That's 1-800-686-2237.
15: If you own a septic system or if you're facing costly septic system replacement, this message is for you. When you want to stop paying for pump outs and avoid backups, when you've had enough of the foul odors and costly repairs, use BioSafe One Septic Solution. Now there's an easy to use, 100% guaranteed answer to all your septic system problems. BioSafe One Septic Solution. BioSafe One is patented and made specifically for all septic systems and made by the same team of scientists to help clean up the Exxon Valdez oil spill. BioSafe One decontaminates and removes sludge, stops costly pump-outs and repairs, and remove septic system stench, all with a 100% success rate. See what gives BioSafe One Septic Solution the advantage over any other septic product at BioSafeOne.com. That's B-I-O-S-A-F-E-O-N-E.com, BioSafeOne.com. Or call toll-free 1-866-424-6663. That's 1-866-424-6663. BioSafeOne, the guaranteed,
10: bio-friendly, money-saving way to clean your septic system. I'm concerned about food for my family in the event of an emergency. And I know you are too. Are you ready? Don't wait for an emergency to happen. Put a plan together now with quality dehydrated food from Ready Reserve Foods. For nearly 40 years, Ready Reserve Foods has been in continuous operation, canning the finest and dehydrated foods. Other companies just broker canned foods. Ready Reserve is the manufacturer, controlling quality from start to finish with double enameled cans and nitrogen packing for maximum shelf life. Ready Reserve offers a balanced selection of fruits, vegetables, dairy products, proteins, and grains. Choose from a variety of pre-selected units or order by individual can to customize your own plan. When you purchase from Ready Reserve Foods, you are buying factory direct at wholesale prices. Call today for a free catalog, 1-800-453-2202 or visit readyreservefoods.com. Call 1-800-453-2202, Ready Reserve Foods, factory direct, wholesale pricing. On-air, online, and
5: on-demand, we are the GCN Radio Network.
6: We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes... We have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out on iTunes.
0: We return with Clifford Cliff, International Director of MUFON. The co host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Paracast. And we're exploring what appears to be an expansion, a very big expansion of the coverage of MUFON. Now, here's an important thing to bring up. The organization started in 1969, which means you've been around now for what, 41 years?
7: Yep, 41, approaching 42, that's correct.
0: Okay, after 41 years, you've been investigating UFOs, trying to figure out what's going on. Do you think you've learned anything yet?
7: Definitive that they are from the Pleiades or from Zeta Reticuli or that they're from some other place, no. Do we know they exist? In my opinion, yes, they do exist, and they're not of this earth. I also believe that there are things that we do not understand about them, that is, they're so much further advanced than we are, and because of the research that we have done, the evidence we have collected, there is such a strong indication that they, they are interplanetary vehicles of some type. That, uh, yes, I think that uh, do we have a, a captured UFO in our museum? No. Do we have parts of it? Possibly. Uh, there are some uh, evidence that uh, material that we have had analyzed that couldn't possibly have been uh, made on Earth at the time that it was. We they were discovered. Trace evidence such as uh, the 3,000 cases Ted Phillips has uh, reviewed have indicated very strongly that these are physical craft.
0: Now, uh, I want to ask it. you about something that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, let's get back circles. to the window areas. Uh, yeah, a thing, couple of yeah. areas. I'm going to hit one, and of course, Chris is going to hit some others. Crop circles. Now, we had Mark Pilkington on the show, author of this book called Mirage Man, and he claims to be, I guess, one of the people behind crop circles, that crop circles in large part are done by Earth people, not under alien control. Do you disagree?
7: No, I agree that many of them are hoaxes, but you can't. There's not enough people to make hundreds of them every year, maybe thousands across the, the earth, that have the capability of making the intricate designs that are involved with some of the crop circles. Nancy Talbot from the BLT Institute told me one time that she has discovered that with crop circles, the center of the circle of the ones that are not hoaxed is offset from the center which was very difficult for somebody to do. If you're going to make a circle, you have to start in the center. But uh, the ones that haven't been hoaxed seem to not have the center of a circle in the center. We had one uh, group of people. A pilot was taking off in England, and he got to the end of the runway early in the morning, and there was a rapeseed field at the end of the runway, and he took off and he noticed how pretty it was and early morning light. He flew around for about a half hour, an hour, and came back and landed. Wind had changed, so he landed the same way he had taken off, and there was this extremely intricate crop circle at the end of the runway. Well, now, Holzer's not going to be able to do that, not in an hour. We've had people, uh, engineering companies, look at some of the crop circles and ask if they could duplicate that, and they said, yeah, if we work 24 hours a day for two weeks, we can duplicate it. Now, when you get that kind of information, there's not going to be some guys from the bar going out at uh, midnight and tromping around in a field and making a crop circle that intricate and that, that that neat now, how it was made, we don't know seems to be electromagnetic aspect of something, but we do feel that they are involved with the u f o phenomenon
1: well i i <laughs> I've heard someone pretty uh, high up in the Rockefeller organization mentioned to me as an aside that they uh, they couldn't believe that uh, that Lawrence was into crop circles because you and I, Chris, both know that these, this is British intelligence doing this from space. And I said, "We do." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he says, "Oh yeah, come on, you didn't know that." Yeah. He wow. he made it sound so so matter of fact, and I said, "Well, wait a minute. What about atm- atmospheric lensing? How do you do something like that?" Uh, you know through miles and miles of uh thick air. he goes oh they've they 've got the capabilities to to totally uh negate that I said well okay whatever <laughs> i 've never heard that one before but uh yeah
7: well they they must do it in russia and the u s and Germany and other countries too It might be a little yeah bit of but most of your
1: most of your real uh, complicated design you know ninety nine percent of them are done in England where they 've had more time to practice. Um, I want to get back to the whole idea of window areas. You made a very intriguing comment that the scientists at the Big Low Ranch in Utah had photographed one of these portals. Now, that's news to me. I'd like to, to, for you to amplify on that a little bit. Have you seen well, this uh, photograph?
7: That's, probably, that's about all I can do is just report what – have you read the book Skinwalker?
1: I was the first investigator up there. You were? Yeah. And this is Chris. This is not Gene.
0: Oh, Although I guess Chris, we do I'm kind sorry, of sound like – I'm
7: sorry. I'm getting alike. you mixed up. Excuse that's me. That's all
0: right. Everyone does that. They think we look alike, although there can be no larger difference between us. We are instantly recognizable. I yeah, can I recognize was... Chris even though he's 120 miles away. <laughs> I can see him right now.
1: I actually got to know Terry Sherman pretty well and uh, was on the phone with him uh, when some of the events that uh, were reported in George and Colm's book uh, uh, were actually occurring, and uh, including the, the event where the... The dogs ran out chasing after the blue, uh, the blue light and uh, ended up becoming grease piles. I was on the phone with them when that event happened. Okay. You, you made a very interesting comment that those scientists had photographed one of these portals. Do you know if Bigelow is ever going to publish 10 years' worth of data that they have been uh, slowly accumulating up there? Has, has he ever talked to you about that?
7: Uh, no, but based on the information I know about him, I doubt if it will be reported. It will be
1: released to the public. How's it, what do you think about that? MUFON like, uh, tries to be as transparent as possible, and yet here you're dealing with somebody who um, is so close to the vest that uh, you know, he might as well have his hand in his chest. Uh, I mean, wh- what do you think about that? Do you think that the, the human race or the public has a right to know or just because he's got a lot of money and, and uh, can call the shots, that, that that's proprietary information? Uh, what are your feelings on that?
7: I, I do. Uh, I feel that uh, uh, if he spent the money and bought the material, then that's his. He can do with it as he wants. Uh, I don't agree with it, but I feel
1: he has the right to do that. Okay. Um, what other window areas uh, have has MUFON identified or have you identified? What other areas around the country do you feel uh, may even uh, rate some sort of 24-7 sort of, uh, I don't know, just kind of watching it 24-7? Are there any other areas?
7: We feel that they're, um, based on what Ted Phillips has done in uh, the Marley Woods in Missouri, that this could possibly be another portal area. Uh, the Native Americans on some of the reservation land feel that there are portals uh, in the southwest. That's what, the, that's what I'm talking about. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, but as far as definitive information, uh, Gene and Chris, I we do not have that type of information. The best information we have is from uh, Skinwalker Ranch.
0: I'll tell you what, we'll get into more of this and questions from our listeners. In our next segment, we have Clifford Clift. He's the international director of MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network. Chris O'Brien's the co host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast.
8: Ray Perkins. A reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition.
10: Nine years, thousands of clients worldwide, amazing results. And here's more proof of the effectiveness of how heart and body extract supports good circulation and healthy arterial flow.
17: My name is
7: Crystal. I'm a 45-year-old and live in Houston, Texas. I was diagnosed with having mitral valve prolapse 10 years ago. My cardiologist said surgery and drugs was the only thing he could offer me.
10: What did Crystal do?
7: I ordered heart and body extract in August 2006. When I first took my first 15 drops, I embraced the formula and could even feel the goodness of the formula starting to work.
10: Clean, clear arteries are happy arteries after using Heart and Body Extract. Learn more at HBExtract.com or call 866-295-5305. That's HBExtract.com or call 866-295-5305. HB Extract comes with a 100% ironclad money-back guarantee. Details at HBExtract.com or call 866-295-5305 for Heart and Body Extract.
11: Crossbreedholsters.com. If you're serious about playing college football, give yourself the competitive edge with the National Underclassmen Football Combine. The NUC is the longest running underclassmen event and the most respected combine and football camp in the nation. Specifically designed to give athletes early recruiting exposure, there's no better time than now to compete in the National Underclassmen Football Combine. Call 888 NUC MVP1 or go to NationalUnderclassmen.com to find out more. The food storage
18: industry leader has done it again.
11: Introducing FDG Clubs and Survival Bucks from the
18: Freeze-Dry Guy. For over 39 years, the Freeze-Dry Guy has served various government agencies and the private sector with the finest in storable foods and emergency rations. If you've wanted to build emergency food supplies but couldn't afford it, now you can. Go to freezedryguy.com, click on Products, and look for the Freeze-Dry Guy Clubs to pay as you go. Now you can build food storage without going into debt. Choose from a payment range of $95 to $450 per month our clubs work with everyone's budget plus when you join freeze dry guy clubs you'll get additional rewards for example this month get 10 back in survival bucks on all purchases in the freeze dry guy product line plus free shipping within the lower 48 states on any order amount hurry go to freeze or call 866-404-3663 that's freeze dry or call 866-404-3663 the freeze dry guy the best you can buy
5: America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network.
7: This is Jim Mosley, editor of Saucer Smear, and I'm here to say a good word or two about the Paracast, which I believe is the gold standard of
19: paranormal radio. Listen to it if you can.
0: We return. Clifford Clift is our guest from MUFON, and I mentioned earlier in the show that we had some of the state directors from MUFON early on in 2006 on the Powercast. Not so much lately. We're remedying that because we've had Mr. Clift's predecessor on the show, and now Clifford has come on the show. Now, there's one other aspect I want to bring up, and sometimes these things aren't things you want to mention, but there were reports, and maybe it's when James Carrion left the organization, and that is there were reports that there was some kind of shake up or conflict within the MUFON structure. What can you say about that?
7: I can't say too much about it because there's not much that much to say. We uh James uh, left the organization in January of two thousand ten. He was upset with the board of directors in the direction that we wanted to go. That's Perfectly fine. okay, what times. was he
0: upset about it? What direction did you want to go into that he didn't go for?
7: I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> uh, it was let's let us just say that uh, James is probably one of the finest field investigators, but his philosophy now appears to change to, to for the his belief that the uh, UFOs don't exist.
0: He's become a skeptic, as it were.
7: uh, Yes. Yes, yes, thank you for saying that. He's he's become more skeptical, and that just didn't bode well with the direction that we need to go.
0: Well, you can't have a skeptic, or can you, as the head of the organization?
7: Oh, yeah, well, skeptics are important. I'm skeptical of many of the events, but when skepticism goes beyond... The pale, then uh, that's that doesn't bode well for MUFON.
1: Well, one of the things I would noticed uh, around the end of his tenure, uh, going into uh, you know his uh, stepping down, that he he seemed to be uh, much more focused on um, secret military technology as being behind many of these
0: sightings. Is that mm-hmm. uh, is that what you're referring to? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, that's an, an important point too. Of the sightings that you've researched, the stuff. That appears to be conventional. Do you see evidence that maybe a fair number of secret military aircraft is being sighted? And I guess we point to Area 51 as a place where they might be tested.
7: Yes, uh, we do think that there are uh, many of, not many, I can't say that, some, because it's not many, but a few of our sighting reports are definitely. Uh, Black ops military craft, and ones that uh, probably, uh, my opinion, have been back-engineered from uh, UFOs.
1: <laughs> well, what, what evidence do we have of that? Do we have any evidence at all, or is that well, just a suspicion? Yes.
7: Uh, we do feel that uh, the uh, UFOs have some type of anti-gravity technology, among other things. Jane's Aviation came out and said the B two bomber was engines were not large enough to do to lift and maintain the craft in the manner in which it does work. There is belief now that there is anti gravity technology used in the B two bomber, which requires electricity on the front leading edges of the wings. And beyond that, I am not engineer enough or scientist enough to to elaborate. Okay, but, but you're saying belief
0: here. Are you talking about one person saying this, or can you show a consensus? This is not something that's part of public knowledge.
7: Right, right. It's not public. Well, yes, it is, because it was printed in Jane's Aviation, so.
0: Okay, there's another issue, too, about so-called alien technology, maybe reverse engineering. And we get back to, of course, the book The Day After Roswell by Corso and Bill Burns. And that's been very controversial. Certainly we have people who, a lot of people who don't believe anything in that book. They think it was just written because Corso wanted something to make some money for his family after he left this plane of existence, as it were. So are you saying that you accept the possibility that some reverse engineering of captured alien spacecraft has been involved?
7: Yes. I don't. Uh, I think. Uh, now is that no. an
0: official move on? Uh, no, no, uh,
7: no,
1: no, that's not official. That, that's your own personal uh, belief. That, okay, that's my personal opinion.
7: I thought you were asking me. I'm sorry.
0: Well, we're asking both. Just separate. You okay. know what you think is personal. It's hard what to you separate. Yes, I appreciate sure. that. Sure. Okay. So you feel that there has been this kind of reverse engineering. Here's one of the problems that you know I've talked about on the PowerCast and others, and that is, take for example. An iPhone. And the reason we talk about an iPhone is we're recording this when they announced that Verizon Wireless in the USA will offer the iPhone beginning in February. Okay, fine and good. Now I take the iPhone and I go back to nineteen twenty five in my time machine, my handy little TARDIS or time machine or whatever, and I say, Here, figure it out and build one like it. Reverse engineer it. They'd look at this thing. And even if they could make it turn on, assuming the battery wasn't spent, they wouldn't know what to do with it. So the question here, if we're confronted with technology that's 100 years ahead of us, would we even know what to do? How do we reverse engineer something that's so far beyond our technology?
7: You are exactly right, Gene. That is exactly right. And that's why uh, the uh, Roswell craft that we believe was... uh, Back engineered from that. That was taken and back engineering was used from that. Okay, that was in 47. Well, if the technology is now just being discovered now in the last uh, five to ten years, maybe just keep going back and forth until you try to find a solution to it, is why it's taken so long. And we still probably don't know everything we need to know or have the capability of finding out.
0: So it's a so question of plugging are- away and plugging away and plugging away, and maybe you can basically get some of the edges, scrape away the edges, get a little technology here and there, or at least get a few bits of inspiration, as it were.
7: Exactly. Yeah, that's, and I think that's what's happened over the years. I think it has just taken, uh, and we still are not probably even close to doing what we need to do with the. The back engineering of of these craft.
0: Okay, so you're saying also, since we're talking about back engineering, that there was a crash at Roswell, most likely, or somewhere else, other places. That's how these things were recovered.
7: Yes, uh, Plains of Augusta, and then uh, Roswell's just the biggest city. It didn't happen there. It was what, seven, there were two planes of Augusta, and then uh, the one uh, northwest of. Uh, Roswell, about 75 miles on the Brazil, where Brazil was.
0: Well, we say Roswell because it's a generic term saying right. it happened in the vicinity of Roswell, and when you're in the desert, well, 75 miles is in the vicinity. What about something like Aztec? Do you find any authenticity with that?
7: I, I really, personally, I believe that there is something to that. I think the radar technology that has been... And bases that have been discovered in that area, they were using radar that they had way overpowered, and this is a possibility of how it uh, uh, crippled that craft that landed at Aztec. Uh, the people, that witnesses to that event, uh, have come forward and indicated that it did happen, that they were there. So, I have no reason to not believe that it was that it didn't that it happened. I, I think it did.
0: Well, we have the book, by the way, by Scott Ramsey that he's been working on for a number of years. And we've had him on the show a couple of times with Frank Warren, another person who has investigated Roswell and Aztec. And just to bring you listeners up to date, Scott says that, you know, he's looking at the proofs of the book and he hopes that sometime spring of this year, perhaps, we'll get to see the book. And when we get to see the book, we'll have Scott on, maybe someone who doesn't believe in Aztec, such as Kevin Randall. Put them together and try to find the facts from this story to see what's going on. (laughs) Try and nail it down. We'll really try to do that. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Clifford Clift, the International Director of MUFON. Our co host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in. The (laughs) Paracast. One One more time, that's store.theparacast.com. You can use a major credit card to place your order for the official Paracast t shirt. Hey, neighbors, we have one more thing to talk about, and that's more merchandise at the official Paracast store. We have hats, we have jackets, we even have a flip video camcorder customized with the Paracast logo at the official Paracast store. It's all now available at the official Paracast store, store store.theparacast.com.
18: complete with two black Berkey elements for only $209 and the Berkey guy will include three sport Berkey water bottles and ship everything to you free of charge that's right three sport Berkey water bottles and free shipping an $87 value yours free call the Berkey guy at one 886 3653 that's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com that's goberkey.com today
19: But wait...
11: Extend your life with extendovite.
18: Are you or someone you know suffering from high blood pressure, cholesterol, or chest pains? Are you looking for a more natural way to overcome these health challenges? Extendivite is made from herbs known to help with these symptoms. Made from garlic, cayenne, hawthorn, and four other herbs. Extendivite goes to work detoxifying heavy metals and killing fungus and virus to enhance your overall health. For only $69.95 plus shipping and handling for a two-month supply of either capsules or liquid, you too can begin on your path to better health. For more information, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit our website at heartdrop.com. Extend
11: your life with
5: Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network.
0: We return with Chris O'Brien as the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the PowerCast with Clifford Clift, the international director of MUFON. Chris, we have a few questions that our listeners have posed with regard to MUFON and Clifford. Could you dig them up and mention them?
1: Yeah, actually, we uh, we did get the uh, thread up a little late, so we only have one person that really uh, that really took us up on our on our uh, request for questions. Uh, let me just double check here. Yeah, and that's Wickerman, 1972. And he says you probably won't ask uh, one of my questions, but uh, <laughs> I'll ask that one second. Uh, but the first one uh, is uh, concerns the Black Vault and John uh, Greenwald. He's been putting up uh, digital copies of the Mufon Journal up through uh, 2008. Uh, are you are you planning on on putting up the uh, the last two years worth of uh, journals?
7: We uh, probably. We'll put them up on our own site. We have a new website, and uh, we have all of the previous journals on there, and uh, we'll have the, we have the new ones and the proceedings from the symposiums. We just have a lot of great information there.
1: Okay, that's that's excellent because that is a very uh, I think it's a uh, an important publication that anyone with an interest in the uh, field uh, should. Make use of that great resource, and that's really good that you're uh, providing that and making it available to people um, after the fact. The other question has to do with the Star Team, and I'm not sure what uh, <laughs> what Wickerman's point is here, but um, he seems to not uh, be too uh, enamored with the Stan Romanek case. And his question is: Is what credibility does Mufon Star Team have when one of its members? Uh, He names uh, Chuck Zukowski is a Stan Romanek supporter. Now, the inference is that, uh, you know, the Romanek case is highly controversial. And, you know, to my knowledge, I think Chuck has come out very strongly as a supporter of Romanek, although there's there's plenty of controversy surrounding that case.
7: Exactly. Chuck Zukowski is a great investigator. He does a a great job. And there are many people in Colorado who are uh, devout followers of Romanek.
1: I'll yeah, like yeah devout that, devout being the operative word. <laughs>
7: yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, the thing that we found is that uh, James Carrion and I personally went to Stan Romanak's place in Loveland and interviewed him for five hours about his events. He would not release names, places, and times to us because he was writing a book and his agent told
0: him not to. Well, that certainly we helps investigators. Yeah, yes. Yeah, that's... So
7: we asked him personally if we could be allowed to investigate his case. And we were told no. So based on that information, I I have nothing to say about what we, MUFON stands for in that situation. We don't have enough evidence because we're not allowed to investigate it. Now, we investigate public events, but... UFO events, but we don't investigate where people don't want us to.
1: Yeah, that's unfortunate that he's put a lid on that because well, I'll tell you, if there's ever been a case that's too good to be true, it's the Stan Romanek case. I've been following it for uh, since uh, 2000 and uh, there are some very interesting elements to that case. Uh, I'll be the first to admit that, but then there's all the other stuff, which uh,
7: <laughs> Well, I heard now that he he's decided that he believes he's
1: been abducted. So, well, that uh, was pretty predictable.
7: It just keeps moving on.
1: It's
0: a traveling yeah, well, case, like the traveling Willberries we have, the traveling Romanek. Yes. <laughs> okay, I have another question I'm going to relate to you, and maybe you can confirm or deny this. George Feiler, Eastern Regional Director of MUFON, supposedly he's begun to accept the Billy Meyer contacts. Have you heard about that?
7: Yes, I have, and no, it's not the truth Okay, uh, that has been distorted.
1: I'm so glad you said that.
7: (laughs) What is the guy's name, Uh, Michael?
0: Michael Horn. Yes, the he who shall not be named. That's how we refer to him in the Paracast. So it is he who shall not be named, and maybe we should refer to him in brief as shall not. So yes. Shall Not has been spreading this, right?
12: <laughs> yes. Shall
7: Not uh, contacted George Filer uh, and sent him some pictures of the UFO, Billy Myers UFOs. And uh, George indicated, says, well, I've got, there's one of these that looks really pretty interesting. And uh, whoever the other person is, the <laughs> sent him the uh, information. Uh, shall Not. Shall not. Uh, shall not send that.
0: that information, but he does.
7: <laughs> yes, shall not uh, spun that information as uh, George Filer supports his information. Duh. George called and apologized to me and to all of you, on He says, I, that's not what I said. <laughs> oh, my. So, so uh, uh, you know, half-truths to me are lies. And, uh, so that's uh, kind of where we're at with that.
0: Let me ask you a generic question then. And, you know, there's some things behind it, but I'll ask it generically. Okay. If you have someone who is an official of MUFON in any respect, and there are questions about their character and background, do you act immediately to get rid of them, to investigate something like that?
7: Yes. Um... Uh, Currently, the, our, we have changed this, but currently anybody who wants to become a field investigator has to have a background check and uh, to check for criminal activities because we don't want to send an investigator out there that might have been a child molester or something, a uh, thief, that type of thing. And we have we, very few people don't pass it, but we've had two or three that uh, had criminal backgrounds, and we used to make them field investigators. So if we have a state director that uh, is not following the guidelines of MUFON and seeing MUFON's best interest at heart, uh, they can be removed too. Uh, It's all volunteers, so we have to keep track of that. We try to. Sometimes we don't get it done, but we try to.
0: Now, are there any specifically that you can mention that suddenly vanish from the MUFON roster because maybe they didn't pass some kind of test, or some questions were raised about them.
7: No, that? no. There's there's nobody of name that uh, I would I can mention because I don't know of any. Uh, but Joe Blow from uh, Kokomo, if he has if he applies for his field investigator, passes the test, and then sends in his uh, authorization to do a credit or a background check, uh, and we find out that he has just been released from prison and uh, going back in for drinking or something, then that guy probably will not be accepted as a Newfoundland field investigator.
0: Now, the reason I bring that up, and you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but our listeners are asking, this gentleman from Pennsylvania who claims... Yes. What's the story about him?
7: Well, uh, the story is simply that uh, in... Uh, doing a background check that is a public record so this is not something that uh, is uh, not of public knowledge anybody that wants to go to that area in Pennsylvania and look it up they can do that he has a court record and uh, we just at this point are not able to allow that type of personality to be a field investigator
0: and we're not going to go into the record we mentioned it last episode of the Paracast we mentioned a couple episodes back actually what that was and what the claim was, and we'll leave it right there. Now, one of the things that Chris and I are going to want to talk to you about as we progress in the show are the demands for disclosure. Now, I guess in some ways we look at MUFON as kind of a successor to NICAP. And one of the missions of NICAP early on when Major Kehoe took over from Townsend Brown, who founded the organization, was to use that actually to get congressional hearings to get disclosure of UFO reality. And now we have some organizations that, shall we say, are a little extreme in their approach to that. So what is MUFON's approach about disclosure? Can there be disclosure? Is there something to disclose?
7: That is re- really weird because I just wrote my director's message for the MUFON journal for February about this very thing.
0: You see, I saw it psychically.
7: Well, I guess. That's scary. <laughs> so I can, I can give you my opinion on that. I think disclosure is a good thing. I think that's something I think they their intent and their mission is good. Will it happen? No.
20: How
1: after
7: 40 60 years can the military or the US government come out and say, "Well, we've been lying to you guys." They do. Yeah, would they- you
1: believe them even if they said they were telling
0: the truth?
7: <laughs> well, that's a good point. Good point.
0: That would make it uh, very difficult. What is difficult though is when the time comes sponsors say You have to present our message because we pay the bills. And so we accede to their demands and we cede a few moments to their attention. We have Clifford Cliff, the international director from MUFON. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in The (laughs) Paracast.
6: Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
0: Our final four segments with Clifford Clift, International Director of MUFON. Chris O'Brien's the co host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Okay, so we look at disclosure, and we have. These more extreme movements like exopolitics, where yes. they seem to know what the aliens are thinking and yes. when they're going to think them, and also when the Obama administration or fill in the blanks any previous administration was going to reveal the truth. How do you handle that kind of organization?
7: Well, there's nothing we can do. Uh, it sells books and uh, makes for uh, good topics for people to talk about. Um, I just got back from uh, a month ago now from Baltimore, Maryland, where I gave a talk to some 250 uh, people that were, it was an information group. They just wanted to know about UFOs. I don't think we had one MUFON member there. So everything that we told them was really a lot of new stuff. One of the first things they asked me is, well, what about disclosure? Don't you think that's going to happen? I said, no, I don't, because what would be the benefit to the government to disclose that? Admit that if they disclose this information, they're going to have to admit that they've been lying to us. And that is political suicide or professional. if The military is involved that professionally. A five-star general come out and say, well, we haven't done this because we didn't want you to know. We didn't think you could handle it. Uh, That's not going to happen. The other thing that's involved with this is. What happens after disclosure? Richard Dolan was at the same conference I was at and of course he's into disclosure big time right now and being a visionary as to what will happen afterwards. And prognosticators, in my opinion, are they're just like economists. You can whatever answer you want you can find. So there's different opinions as to what will happen on disclosure, but I don't think disclosure is going to happen because the only way disclosure will happen, in my opinion, is if they create some type of problem with the UFO phenomenon and cover it with a problem and then provide the solution.
0: Okay, what kind of problem would we be talking about?
7: I That I don't know. It's the Hegelian dialect where... Somebody creates a problem, and only they can re- they can provide the solution, or the solution that they feel is best for their benefit, to
1: overcome the problem. Well, like 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 a, a potential uh, fake alien invasion that would then legitimize some sort of martial law or something yes. like that. Is uh, that what you're I think that to? may
7: be the extreme, but I think that follows course as to the potential of what. For them to disclose, they're going to have to create some kind of problem for the citizens of the world or of America. They're going to have to create some kind of problem that allows them to be the ones that will take care of us. Our solution will be within them.
1: So So it's all a matter of control, and you're saying it's a control issue. (laughs)
7: Exactly. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I'm, you know, there may be there may be a whistleblower that will come out that is uh, high enough within the organization of the U.S. government or the military that people will believe. But uh, the astronauts are coming out and saying that the UFOs are real and exist, and that doesn't seem to make any difference. And they're probably one of the more thought of, well thought of, military people we have.
0: Well, that's a good question too here. So do you think that when astronauts come out with this information that we learn of more and more planetary discoveries in our galaxy that maybe this is a way in part to do a gradual disclosure?
7: Yes, it's a possibility. I don't think so, though. Uh, The reason I say that is because I think they would have started releasing information before they got old enough that they're going to pass away. So they know not much can happen, like Edgar Mitchell. Uh, and, uh, Story. by the way, Story Musgrave is going to be our keynote speaker at our symposium this year. Oh, good. Of course, you know, he's a astronaut. And uh, Neil Armstrong, uh, these guys are, are coming out with a lot of good information, and they are indicating that they are real and exist.
0: Okay, that raises another question here, too. What about... Interaction between aliens and earthlings on the government level. Has the U.S. government or some foreign government, do you believe they've have had actual contacts with them?
7: I do believe there has been some kind of contact, uh, but I don't. I don't know if it's. um, I I really, it's that one's so deep and philosophical. I I can't even approach the uh, intelligent conversation with that one. But the, it does appear that there has been contact made. So beyond that, uh, if there if there has been, there's just a very few, maybe less than 10 people would even
0: know about it. Okay, you feel this, there's no evidence of this, this is just your feeling. That's right. I don't know of any evidence. Okay, so how do we get down to the bottom of this? Okay, the government has no motive to release this information for all sorts of reasons. We have people like you investigating UFOs, and we accept the fact that MUFON and most of the people that work with the organization are serious. Many of them are well-trained. They're scientists, et cetera. Smart people looking into this thing for over four decades, and they're not coming up with anything that leads us to a solution, are they?
7: Well, a definitive answer of to where they're from and how they operate, no. Are they here? Yes. If we could just some way <laughs> uh, get on board one of these craft and talk to them, and they could be able to communicate with us at our level because they are definitely more sophisticated, more intelligent, well, not sophisticated, more intelligent and more advanced than we are. But
0: well, you see, that so raises what? another question, too. Say, for example, we look at the scenario in the movie Contact, where E.T manifests itself to the Jodie Foster character by looking like her father because she couldn't accept the reality of his, its existence. So the question is, are the UFOs we see even representative of what they really are? Are they just gigantic holodecks?
7: Uh, that's a, that's another good point. Uh, I don't know anybody that could refute that. or well, I know there's some people that would try, but uh, that may be it. They may be able to make themselves visible as shapeshifters. I I don't know. Look at V. <laughs> that's that TV show and that's uh,
0: Well, not really shapeshifters awful. there. They're wearing <laughs> an exo-skin of some sort to Well, that's right. They're not <laughs> you know, I'm, you know, really into the science fiction. I can tell you about that. They're wearing the exo-skin. If you tear off the skin, you've got the lizards underneath, the reptiles, whatever.
7: Yeah. Uh well, yeah. So I, I don't know, maybe that's what they're like. I don't know. Uh when we look at science fiction, uh and we look at Dick Tracy when he was talking in his watch eighty years ago or no, seventy year sixty years ago, uh, that's coming to reality. So, you know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of thought and truth behind what science fiction does.
1: Yeah. I want to change gears a little bit here and ask you a question about the MUFON uh, investigators manual. I've heard uh, some scuttlebutt uh, through the grapevine that uh, currently you're uh, updating it and um, and expanding uh, the actual MUFON investigators manual. Uh, Do you you want to talk about that a little bit? Uh, Yeah, we talk about some of the changes.
7: Yeah, we're updating it, and it will be. uh, We hope it'll be it'll be ready this year. Again, volunteers are doing this. And we have
1: to... Are they open for any input? And I've got some suggestions. Sure.
7: Sure. You bet. You bet. You just send me an email with what you would like to to see, because anything we can do uh, is really beneficial. One of the things that we're doing is we now have on our web store, uh, we will have, we don't right now, we're still waiting on it, but an infrared... uh, camcorder that uh, paranormal people use for ghost hunting and it fits very well with what we do so we have uh the type of equipment that's going to be available evidence kits uh, gagger counters uh, black lights that type of thing on our web store for investigators so we're making and and we're getting them at a good price so we're able to uh Pass that on to our MUFON field investigator members.
0: I'll tell you what we'll get into more of this in our next segment. Clifford Clift, International Director of MUFON, joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. You're in. The Paracast.
16: This is Tamar from Namecheap. We're a domain name and web hosting company, and we really care about our customers. With domain name purchases, Namecheap offers free SSL and free WhoisGuard for a year to protect your identity from spammers. Most importantly, we care about you. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at radio.namecheap.com, radio.namecheap.com for web hosting and domain name specials. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash namecheap, or become a fan of ours on Facebook at facebook.com slash namecheap. See you online.
14: are you wondering about your retirement portfolio are you confident that the financial advisor is experienced enough to combat climbing interest rates taxes and inflation stop guessing and go to the expert robert chapman of the international forecaster when you subscribe to the international forecaster you get robert chapman's 45 years of experience and concise investment recommendations who needs sugar-coated excuses when you can get the cold hard facts and proven investment leads you can't get anywhere else for a free introductory copy to Robert Chapman's International Forecaster, subscribe now at theinternationalforecaster.com or call 877-479-8178. Experience the difference. When you subscribe, you can email Robert Chapman directly to obtain investment advice tailored just for you. Don't wait another minute. Subscribe today at theinternationalforecaster.com or call 877-479-8178. That's 877-479-8178.
18: Two black Berkey elements for only $209. And the Berkey guy will include three Sport Berkey water bottles and ship everything to you free of charge. That's right, three Sport Berkey water bottles and free shipping. An $87 value, yours free. Call the Berkey guy at 1 886 3653. That's 1 886 3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today.
10: I'm concerned about food for my family in the event of an emergency, and I know you are too. Are you ready? Don't wait for an emergency to happen. Put a plan together now with quality dehydrated food from Ready Reserve Foods. For nearly 40 years, Ready Reserve Foods has been in continuous operation, canning the finest and dehydrated foods. Other companies just broker canned foods. Ready Reserve is the manufacturer, controlling quality from start to finish with double enameled cans and nitrogen packing for maximum shelf life. Ready Reserve offers a balanced selection of fruits, vegetables, dairy products, proteins, and grains. Choose from a variety of pre-selected units or order by individual can to customize your own plan. When you purchase from Ready Reserve Foods, you are buying factory direct at wholesale prices. Call today for a free catalog, 1-800-453-2202 or visit readyreservefoods.com. Call 1-800-453-2202. Ready Reserve Foods, factory direct, wholesale pricing. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio.
5: GCN, great talk radio starts here.
6: We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com Get in on all the action at forum.theparacast.com
0: We have Clifford Clift, International Director of MUFON, joining us on the Paracast. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. Okay, so we're looking at this additional hardware that you are offering. And now, one other thing which I might ask, we have different organizations around the country, around the world, What efforts are being made to pull the data they're all collecting so that you can get closer to some kind of answers here?
7: As we go forward, one of our goals is to have a closer and a better relationship with some of the UFO groups in uh, Europe, Mm -hmm. Russia, South America. Uh, We've not done well in our relationships with these people. We do have members there, but we and we UK we have a great uh, country director, and uh, so we we're working with these people and trying to expand to that, where we could be the central clearinghouse for all of the documentation. We currently have over 25,000 sightings in our archives from 1959 to current, and there are people that we have now working volunteers again. Uh, to help correlate the different events. It it is word searchable, so if you want to put triangles in Brazil, uh, then you would come up with all of those things. But we'd like to see if there isn't some correlation between uh, the different types of craft, where they're located, uh, the time of year, that type of thing. Maybe there's something that is significant about the UFOs. As to what, where, when, and why.
0: What about cooperation among UFO researchers these days? There's always been something in the UFO field where people don't always get along. How's it look now in this day and age in the 21st century?
7: Oh, I, you know, I think it's still pretty much the same way, Gene. Some of the ufologists, it's their way or no way. I mean, that's the end of the story. So there's no room for communication or negotiation. They believe what they believe, and that's the end of the story.
1: Boy, a couple like of ma- names spring to mind when you say that. <laughs>
7: yeah, <laughs> and I think there's—I think there's more to this than just one point of view. Uh, UFOs, as I mentioned earlier, we, we're talking not just nuts and bolts, hard hard evidence of a craft flying. We're talking about portals. We're talking about the paranormal aspect, such as polar geists and. We're talking about crop circles and mutilations, uh, Bigfoot. I think there is something that is, there's something together with all of this. What it is, I don't know. But there is something that is involved with all of these different areas that we need to be able to find out what that commonality is.
0: Okay, the fly in the ointment department is, of course, if the military, if the government knows, if they're... Occasionally, even once or twice, in contact with ET, that they're doing things to basically make it messy in the UFO field. Some of the stuff that you catch may be military or government-related disinformation. Have you encountered that?
2: Oh
7: yeah, yes, definitely. We we encounter that uh, uh, all the time. Any time we get really close to something significant, and we may not even know that we're close to something significant somebody puts the fly in the ointment that causes us to go in a different direction and it might be a personality situation that uh, flies up and grabs us it might be um, some event that is initiated and instigated by whomever these powers might be in another area so we'll leave that area and go to another area yeah that does happen
1: but, it, but it's all covert, nothing overt. In other words, you haven't been exactly. contacted by the yeah. military saying, uh, you know, cease and desist. We're handling this.
0: No, well, I'm thinking in a sense, Clifford, like, for example, the MJ-12 documents that, uh-huh. you know, it's controversial. We know some people accept it. Some people think it was a private hoax. Some people think it was a government hoax. You?
7: I think both. I think some of the documents are real. I think some of them are disinformation.
0: OK, so real being that. Late Harvard astronomer Dr. Donald Menzel was part of NJ12. You believe that?
7: I certainly do. Uh, Dr. Menzel was not a kind person to UFOs.
0: He wasn't a kind person, purely. person at all.
7: No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs>
1: yeah, terminal hemorrhoids and a chi- with a chip on his shoulder.
7: Yes, I, that's pretty close. That, yeah, I think that would define him. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So you don't think that's kind of an inside joke because that's one of the theories that some people suggest is that's the evidence it's a hoax is because they stuck that name in there and get a good laugh as a result.
7: No, I, I, I think he was, was one of the disinformation people for Magic 12 or MJ-12.
0: But we have this controversy. We have these disagreements. How do we prove that?
7: That's what they rely on. That is the psychology of disinformation. Yeah. How do you prove it or disprove it? it has an air of truth and it has an air of fiction and then you spend all your time trying to figure out what the truth and the fiction is and and what the results are I think we just have to in MUFON just continue to investigate and get the information the good information that is needed for us to come to some resolution as to what, why and where they're from
1: Yeah, that's a very good point. Here's something that's uh, been kind of troubling me about the field for some time now. You know, you go to your average uh, UFO convention conference, and the average age is somewhere up around our age, at least over 50, uh, if not closer to 70. How is MUFON moving ahead to excite younger potential members uh, to get involved? And and do you see this as a problem for the organization that – You know, time marches on and and some of your older members are going to pass on and and you need to keep refreshing the ranks. What is MUFON doing to elicit the excitement in the younger generation to get uh, involved in a hands-on way?
7: Well, one of the things that uh, I'm doing right now is uh, starting to do webinars uh, with speakers or such as Chris or whoever it might be.
0: Okay, a Uh, webinar, by the way, is a web-based conference.
7: Yes, web-based, yeah, and we'll do those once a month or twice, have these people out there where people, what we have discovered, the reason I'm saying this is what we've discovered is the youth are really computer-oriented, so the more we can get on the computer, we're going to have a Facebook that we can work with uh, people, uh, the youth, that's, the type of thing. I don't know about Twitter yet or Twitter, whatever it is. <laughs> beyond me. I uh, think it's
0: beyond a lot of people. I think it has a lot of entertainment value, but maybe not so much a research value. And we'll have to get into more of that in a moment. I want to remind our listeners, we mentioned every so often the forums at Paracast, of course. Forum.Paracast.com. That's Forum.Paracast.com. And here's how it works. We want you to become a member. All you have to do is give yourself a username and click a few boxes and stuff like that, answer a simple question to prove you're human and not a spam bot, and then you can join, then you can send your input, and we also try when we can, we don't always have advance notice about guests, we try to open up a forum or a thread where you could ask questions, and we ask them on the show. Clifford Cliff joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg, Chris O'Brien's the co-host. You're in The Paracast.
13: Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news. It's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to Mr. UFO at WebTV.net. That's Mr. UFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know
20: go to hempusa.org go to hempusa.org and ask your legislator and ask your congressman and ask your president why can't we grow it here And ask those companies that love their profits and disease Why can't we grow it here? Try our powder seeds and oil Try our five-pound sampler And get free shipping anywhere in the States Go to hempusa.org Go to hempusa.org Call us at 908-691-2608. Call 908-691-2608 or visit us at hempusa.org.
19: You know the Constitution like the back of your hand. You've read books, listened to podcasts, attended lectures, surfed websites, and watched videos. You've made liberty your life's goal. But something seems to be missing. (laughs) Stickers! From LibertyStickers.com, exercise your freedom of speech with the world's most dangerous bumper stickers. That's LibertyStickers.com. But wait.
5: Hello. At OfTheField.com, we strive to empower you with wild food preparedness. We get lots of amazing positive feedback, most of which we feature on OfTheField.com. Here's a small sample of all that people like you have to say about the wild food experience.
11: As a homesteader attempting to live sustainably, I was floored by the amount of information in this book.
16: Dear Linda, I would be hard-pressed to express how much you have impacted my life.
11: I'm amazed by the wealth of the author's
6: knowledge and the depth of the coverage in this book.
16: As we see more and more GMO foods on the shelves, this information is good to know. I am thankful to God for you, Linda. I
6: can't say enough
19: about this
16: book. Blessings to you and your family. The greatest of The fact this book has had on
6: me and my family is that we truly see Earth's bounty everywhere. Folks, thanks for letting us
5: help you get back to basics. Read all of the testimonials at ofthefield.com. You can order online for you and your loved ones, or call 1-888-51-EAT-FREE to share in the secret. On air, online, and on demand, we are the GCN Radio Network.
0: Hi, this is Nick Pope. You're listening to the PowerCast. We return with Clifford Clift, International Director of MUFON. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg on the PowerCast. Clifford, let me ask you a theoretical question, or not so theoretical. Okay, you're put in a room with skeptics, and they say, Clifford, do you believe there's some reality to UFOs? Can you cite one compelling case that says it all about the UFO mystery? And that case cannot be Roswell, okay? What do you think? Please. What do you say?
7: You only want one? Well, we can have uh, but, others, but maybe we'll okay. start with All one. All right, I would say the uh, 1952 uh, UFO over, UFO flyover Washington D.C., where the objects, the nine objects, were seen by three different uh, air traffic control centers: Andrews Air Force Base, National uh, Airport, and uh, the other uh, other one. And uh, seen on radar, seen uh, visually out the windows of the t- control centers, seen by people on the ground, seen by air tra- uh, airplanes flying in, commercial planes, and by the jet interceptors that went up after them and also saw the objects. That probably is the, the best one that I historically coming forward, we can go to uh, the 1973 incident in Tehran, Iran. Where there was a dogfight or an engagement with a UFO by uh, Iranian air air people or air pi- uh, pilots, the Phoenix Lights, and uh, obviously and the we,
0: first one, not the second case, with the flares. Right. Yes. Right. The the ones that
7: was actually something. So, uh, yeah. So that's uh, those are the things that uh, two or three of them that I think when you have simultaneous ground and aerial observation simultaneous with radar contact,
1: that's pretty strong evidence. That's yeah, those evidence weren't false returns uh, from temperature inversions, in other words.
0: You know what? There's an interesting story, too. We were talking, I guess, going back to Mark Pilkington, the guy who wrote the book Mirage Man. He suggested there was technology back in the 40s and 50s where you can create artificial radar bogies of something.
7: Well, when the, the top, when the top people of the uh, major, uh, uh, Rear Admiral Forney was looking at the radar and was an expert in radar uh, in Washington, Nash, Washington National Airport uh, and Andrews Air Force Base, when they were looking at the radar and the top radar people, you're not going to put slouch radar operators at the capital of the United States. They're going to be your best people. When they all agree that this was a hard contact, it was not birds, it was not weather inversion, it wasn't clouds, it was some other event, you have to go along with that.
0: Good point. Now, you mentioned these are classic cases that we all know about, those of us who have followed. Now, but what about cases MUFON has investigated, because some of the stuff precedes your organization, of the cases that you guys have investigated? What are maybe one, two, or three really, really fascinating cases that say well, it all?
7: The one that I, I think is so significant is the one that has just happened uh, this past uh, six, eight months uh, with Chase Koletsky with uh, the triangle and in Tennessee where the, the being was there. That to me is just a phenomenal case. The other one that I would think that is probably – equally as good is the one that is and i i'm sorry i'm going to have to be more secretive about this because we're not through with the investigation but it's happened on uh, a native american tribal land and this one is of great significance because uh, the military uh, ended up being involved with this too because of the radar So, uh, yeah, we have some great cases. I'm sorry, I I don't mean to be so cryptic about that one, but uh, due to the nature of the relationship with uh, Native Americans, we have to be very careful.
1: So you can't give us the name of the res, like the Navajo res, possibly? No, no, I I would prefer not to. (laughs) Okay.
0: Now, what about cases involving, okay, we have that one that you investigated this year, other cases that involve the... Observance of creatures, entities, beings. Any other cases of that sort that you want to bring to our attention?
7: Well, uh, I honestly, I I don't, nothing comes to my mind that is that significant. Uh, I know there are some, I just haven't researched them. Uh, When I say that, it sounds like, well, yeah, you're the international director of MUFON. Well, I'm trying to maintain the financial structure and the organizational flow chart in a manner in which it works for all of us. So I don't get a lot of the opportunity to research these past events. So I'm sorry, I'm not any help there.
1: Well, you're sure helping us, and we're uh, learning a lot, and we really appreciate you being on the, uh, on the program. Uh, MUFON is a, is a very highly visible organization in this field, and, Anything that can be done to improve the organization, to to create more uh, uh, funding streams and that sort of thing, is is going to be a full time job in and of itself. Plus, you got to be a politician <laughs> at the same time. So yes, you, yeah, do. You, you definitely have your work cut out for you. And, and I, I I applaud your your work that you've done this uh, past year, and and uh, I hope it doesn't burn you out uh, <laughs> like it did us. Well. Uh, mr james
7: i didn 't know that it was going to be this involved, and my wife most certainly didn't
0: <laughs> <laughs> so she says, "Why are you focusing on that u f o stuff but just looking at your background, what is your professional background? Are you retired now
7: uh, well, no, yes and no i spent thirty five years in real estate uh, I was a developer I built affordable house some thousand affordable housing units in uh Northern Colorado, uh, I had a real estate office, I had 75 agents, three offices, wow. and uh, that was what I did for 35 years. Then I, uh, in 1998, I uh, started a Christmas tree farm, which my wife and I run, and that gives me the business, to, the, something to do. I like the outdoors, so I have the opportunity to work outside. So that's what I uh, am doing currently. So I'm not really retired. And of course, then I took on the international director's position, and that is that's full time. So I'm not retired in any any sense of the matter. But uh, Christmas trees and UFOs. Now that's a combination. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Maybe we should have a special Clifford Clift uh, UFO angel for the top of the tree.
7: Uh, well, as a matter of fact, one of our uh, uh, best-selling ornaments are UFO, uh, aliens.
0: <laughs> now, that's a good question, too. Do you think that the popular culture of UFOs and aliens, you know, now the greys, do you think that unfortunately contaminates what we think or think we see?
7: I do. I really do. I think... Uh, Hollywood is uh, uh, really doing some things that could be detrimental to a future contact and relationship. The big sense of fear, I think, is one of the big ones. I think they're imposing this fear factor like happening on V and uh, some of the other sh- shows that wait, they've Wait found. till you see
1: the movies coming out this summer.
7: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think it's, uh, people like to be scared. Uh, I have nieces and nephews. Boy, they watch every horror film there is, and uh, I can't even go out and take them with me out in the field at night out here because they're scared of what might be there.
1: <laughs> All you have to do is look at what's going on in Washington, D.C., and that'll scare you.
7: Well, that's, you does not even have to be at night there, does it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's about as horrific as it gets, I think, in my book. But uh, yep.
0: The other thing, of course, about the contamination... Do you think that maybe whatever is responsible for the UFO phenomenon takes advantage of our popular culture to give us what we expect to see?
7: No, I really don't. I think, uh, I think ETs, in my opinion, I think it's a no-contact type situation. Don't interfere.
0: So anyone who says we contacted them, other than governments perhaps, it's got to be a fake
7: well, I wouldn't say it's got to be a fake, but I would be very suspect.
0: We don't suspect the fact that we have Clifford Clift, international director of MUFON, joining us. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you think about this show and about the PowerCast in general. Write us, news at thepowercast.com. That's news at thepowercast.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. You're in The PowerCast. PowerCast. One more time, that's store.theparacast.com. You can use a major credit card to place your order for the official Paracast t-shirt. Hey, neighbors, we have one more thing to talk about, and that's more merchandise at the official Paracast store. We have hats, we have jackets, we even have a flip video camcorder customized with the Paracast logo at the official Paracast store. It's all now available at the official Paracast store, store store.theparacast.com.
18: This special announcement is brought to you by Renaissance Charge. Have you ever wondered if you could make your car run on 100% electric power for free? It is now possible. How about a simple device that is both a super efficient motor and a free energy generator at the same time? What if this could also be used to restore useless batteries and save you lots of money? Because our customers asked for it, we have organized a Renaissance Charge Conference Workshop on July 29th to July 31st at the beautiful Coeur Resort in Idaho. Not only will you see these fascinating energizers, but you will be able to build some alongside genius inventor John Bedini. Participate in this truly historic event featuring our cutting-edge alternative energy Tesla technology. Register early for the best seats and advanced workshop by visiting rcharge.com. That's r-charge.com for details. Or call 208-772-4514. That's 208-772-4514.
10: crossbreedholsters.com If you're serious about
11: playing college football, give yourself the competitive edge with the National Underclassmen Football Combine. The NUC is the longest running underclassmen event and the most respected combine and football camp in the nation. Specifically designed to give athletes early recruiting exposure, there's no better time than now to compete in the National Underclassmen Football Combine. Call 888-NUC-MVP1 or go Go to nationalunderclassmen.com to find out more. Did you know that you
17: can be tracked and traced when you're online? With identity theft and cybercrimes on the rise, your passwords, your identity, and even your physical location can be revealed to complete strangers. Would you like to surf the Internet anonymously and not have to worry about these threats? Well, now you can by visiting PatriotInternet.com. For about $2 per month, PatriotInternet.com will conceal your IP address and your physical location, allowing you to browse the web, send emails, and instant message anonymously. PatriotInternet.com will bypass America's number one source for independent talk radio for
5: over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network.
6: You're in the Paracast. You never know what's going to happen
0: next. And this is our last few moments with Clifford Clift of MUFON. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien on the Paracast. And I guess we're going to look here at the things that you're doing now in the future. What are your plans to help bring the UFO subject to the public, get more serious attention? Certainly the book by Leslie Kane, the press conference recently, things like that have helped. But what can you do to get beyond where you've been for the past 41 years?
7: Well, I think we have to be uh, more uh, uh, socially visible with the public which means Facebook, Twitter, uh, webinars. I think we have to be able to be more accepted in the scientific community. These are things we're all working on. We do have some uh, scientific people from credible universities that are now Mm -hmm. members of MUFON, and hopefully we will be able to integrate them into Operation and be able to get more information out at the university level. Uh, with youth that you were talking about earlier, uh, we uh, would like to be able to uh, set up scholarships for uh, students in the science field that would lean toward what the UFOs are about, because I think the youth is where we will finally eventually come around to having to run our operation, and we need to have people that are pretty well versed in the sciences and I don't mean just hard science. I mean the supernatural aspect of things, for lack of a better word. Because I think there's so much more to the UFO phenomenon than just that hard, hard UFO craft sitting out there in my front yard.
0: Do you think maybe that approach, though, has hampered what MUFON's done all these years?
7: You know, I don't think so. I th- I, I think if scientists had just set on one aspect and not decided to search further, we wouldn't have had quantum physics, because that is strange stuff compared to what the hard, the not the quantum physics type studies done. So I think, uh, yeah, I think we have to be in tune to all sp- aspects of the universe. And I think we have to be aware that there are other things out there besides us. And I don't know that they're all bad.
0: What about an end game here? I mean, we've been at the UFO thing for a large part of my life and probably your life and Chris, certainly. So is there an end game in our lifetime? Are we going to see this maybe in the 22nd century still figuring out what UFOs are?
7: I, I think within the next 10 to 15 years, and I'm pro- prognosticating, but I think the next 10 to 15 years we will have a significant revelation about the UFOs.
1: I just hope they don't try to land on the White House lawn because there's guys on the roof with stingers.
7: Oh, people ask me, well, if they really exist, I'll believe when they land on the White House lawn. I said, they're not stupid. They're going to be shot if they land there.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. you know, if they saw the movie Dave, the Stood Still, not the miserable remake, but the original with Michael Rennie, they'd see that if you land, you're going to be shot at as soon as the military figures out where you are, even if it's not the plans or the intentions some trigger-happy, frightened, young soldier might do it.
7: Right. It's, uh, uh, you know, if you don't know what it is, I'm sure that if the military says, if you don't know what it is, shoot it, is pretty much an attitude.
0: Isn't that, you know, part of a book called Shoot him Down? Do you think yes, that we've yes. tried to shoot him down?
7: Oh, yeah. There's no doubt in my mind. I think uh, F- Feskel, I'm not sure I'm saying his last name right, but he and Stanton Friedman wrote that book, Shoot Him Down, and uh, the, they in '52, when uh, Truman gave the order to shoot him down, there were more air, airplane crashes uh, at that time by seasoned and veteran pilots than any other time. Is that a coincidence?
0: So you think they were shot back. Now, what about the Mantell incident, where we have this pilot in Kentucky... He's supposedly in pursuit of a UFO, his plane crashes. Now, new evidence coming to light suggests that, you know what, the guy screwed up and he got too high and he did the wrong things and he crashed. What do you think?
7: Well, I think that's true. But I think that his last transmission of this thing's huge is huge, uh, has to be considered in the evidence. The plane crash was a little different type of crash than you would normally find with a, a, an airplane. They either nose in or, or, uh, but they don't pancake in, and, and as a rule. That's pretty strange. And not having been able to ever, anybody ever see the, the body, that's uh, interesting to not know what the autopsy showed or if there was one. I think that the Mantell case has uh, some very strong, very strong evidence that it was a UFO he was after, from the witnesses and every all the people on the ground that were seeing the same thing, and the traffic control center.
0: Okay, now let's segue to 21st century. Move on in the next few moments. What activities are you guys going to be engaged in in the months to come?
7: Well. Uh, Currently, like I say, we're getting a new website up and going. Uh, We're making changes on it. We're trying to get our webinars going. We're trying to, as you can tell from our journal, I don't know if you've seen the ones recently, but uh, Janice Curry is our new editor, and she's doing an outstanding job with our publication. So we want to get that. We want to be able to have better communication between uh, all of our volunteers, our field investigators, and our members, we want to all be on the same page. That takes a lot of effort. We want to be able to uh, get the information from investigated cases out to the public. Currently what's happening is uh, people get on our internet and see what our CMS cases are and start reporting that stuff. and. We haven't finished the investigation, so we need to be able to do something about getting that resolved, where we will be able to put up what the uh, real evidence is, not just the circumstantial from the first blush of the investigation. Uh, So we've got a lot of things planned, Uh, we want to, one of the things that we want to do very strongly is to... uh, develop more members we need more field investigators and to be field investigator you have to be a member of NUFON. and we just need a lot more investigators and you never know when these CM uh, category 3 cases are going to come up so we're driving very hard for membership to get people to become field investigators and of course we would like to be able to say to the public here's the smoking gun. And that's going to happen through investigations. It's not going to happen through disclosure from the government.
0: But how can we make a change after all these years? How do we go from where we are now to the end game?
7: Communication. We have to be able to communicate. We have to be able to have a relationship with more people that are in the scientific field so that they will be on board with us. That's the only way we're going to get to uh, disclosure is to have the evidence, in my opinion.
0: Tell our listeners where they can get more information about MUFON, checking your material online, and possibly becoming a member.
7: Uh, All they have to do is get on to www.mufon.com, and you can report a sighting, you can join and become a member, and you can see all the other information that we have up there for people to see
0: briefly we only have a few seconds left your next conference will be held
7: uh, the end of july in orange county california uh, as i mentioned earlier story musgrave will be our keynote speaker we have mm-hmm. some uh, an excellent lineup of speakers uh peters sparks uh molinda Mold molten how uh that's what i'm and others that um, I just can't remember right now. But well, of course, it. we'll Great. find
0: them all on the site as the updates are done. Chris O'Brien, yeah. where do we find more of your stuff? Well, I do have a website. It's Our Strange Planet. O U R
1: Strange Planet dot com. It is a strange planet. It's our strange planet. You can find out all about my books and my uh, my my field of investigative work in the San Luis Valley,
0: and my entire data log is there. Okay, Clifford Clift of MUFON. Thank you so much for joining us this week on the Paracast.
7: Thank you, Gene and Chris. And Chris doesn't know it, but I had dinner with him back in 98 in Denver.
1: <laughs> Actually, I do I do remember that. It was after, I think, uh, International MUFON, if I remember correctly.
7: That's right. That's
1: right, yep. Chris. With Tracy Torme.
7: That's right. Yes. Yeah.
6: presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.